Hey, Matt. Dave, 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 Dave. How are you? Well, I did just read that there was a recently thwarted uh, plan for a terror attack in Los Angeles. Oh, boy. And I'm going to Palm Springs. Oh. Not because of that, but I'm just, no. now I'm extra excited. Oh, my God. out of town for the week. When are you going? What is your plan? As soon as we stop recording this today. Is that true? That's right. Oh, my God. What do you have planned? Are you just going to Nothing. Sit? It's like Michael's only week off until... Uh, you know, 2020, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also his birthday week. So oh. we're just going to be at a house with Faye, just doing nothing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a great story. I'm so, I, I love Palm Springs so much. I do too. And it's a little overcast and yucky this week. So I'm very okay. much looking forward no, to it. No, it's perfect. No, I mean, still. Here. Oh, oh, right, right, right. There, we're getting the full Palm Springs. Okay, too. good. Either way, though, it's fun. You're going to be fun. in a pool either way. Last time I was there, um, you know, there's that one strip, I think it's Arenas Road, yeah. that has like the six gay bars on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we like did the whole gauntlet, right? It was a Sunday night and it was karaoke night at two of them. Oh, and wow. at each of them, uh, there was like a gay guy in his 60s with shorts and white socks pulled up all the way singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <sighs> and it was like, I want to, I mean, you know, an older, like an elder gay who has, mm-hmm. who has settled in Palm Springs has seen some shit. You know, has gone through some troubles to get to the point where they can be up on a stage with little shorts singing somewhere over the rainbow. God bless. Leaning all the way in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just makes me so happy. Makes me so happy to be gay. Well, uh, good, because that is me in, let's say, two years. Great. And do it. I look forward to it. Embrace it. Um, oh, what fun. How was, well, hey, how was uh, your big show last week? I'm so sorry I missed it. Oh, it's okay. That's all right. Uh, yeah, we did the Friday 40 at uh, Dynasty Typewriter this past Friday night with uh, with Aisha Tyler. Wow. Who is amazing. And Luke Null, who was on last season of Saturday Night Live. Oh, right, right, right. Um, he was kind of like, he's, Lorne Michaels, for whatever reason, like every season brings on a young white guy for one season, doesn't let him do anything, and then- Let's him go. We had John Milheiser. We had, uh, uh, there was another John. Um, John. That John, yeah. I know you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, they they come and they go. He, however, is unbelievably funny. The the, the ones that they let go quickly tend to be the funniest people. Yeah, John Rudnitsky. Uh, Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, Luke Null, absolutely hilarious. He played a backyard show in our neighborhood the next night. And Ben and I didn't have particularly anything going on. So we're like, well, why don't we drive the extra five minutes out into the deeper valley mm-hmm. and go and see a show of recent college graduates. And their headliner is Luke Null. And we did. And he he's like a guitar comic, which you would never have known from his season on mm-hmm. SNL. And he is so super talented. And wow. Fun. Yeah. He's, That's so fun. Yeah. I'm a fan. I am a fan. Uh, also spent the day with Mo Gaffney on Caroline Ray and Friends oh for Game Show Network. And you predict, I mean, you, you yes. threw out Mo Gaffney just as an example of the yes. type of person you would be pitted against. Yeah. And you Walked were, in, they're exactly like, you'll right. be playing against Mo Gaffney. You're actually not really playing against. It's okay. It's it's a show that takes advantage of Vin DeBona's massive library of America's Funniest Videos, uh-huh. right? So it it's, you're on a set that looks like a test pattern come to life Mm -hmm. and it's like you know our first category is doggy don'ts or whatever (laughs) and you watch a couple puppy videos and you make little jokes about them and then you you guess which one america preferred and then the contestants either agree or disagree with you okay it's a slender thread to hang a whole game show off of i'm having trouble even hanging on to that so yeah and And, are you and mo both trying to get 
get, you're just trying to guess the same thing as the audience yeah. or the contestants. Or you're just trying to guess what America liked. And then ideally you make a good enough case that the get the, the contestant agrees with you. Oh, I see. They're agreeing right. with your, your take. Right. Or not agreeing with your take. Or not agreeing. And then at the end, they pick four of them and the contestant, like whoever has – has one has the highest score before the final round. See, it already doesn't make sense. Yeah. But you go into the final round, and it's just one contestant, and they have one thousand dollars. But they could win up to five thousand dollars if they arrange them in the correct order of America's preferences, right? Uh, okay. So then, if they only got one right, then they go to the to the guests, which are me and Mo. Uh huh. And and this was the one thing that every like eight people like someone from the network, so like a PA, the the assistant director, whatever, just make one suggestion. Is their only thing. Don't be like four should be number one and number one should be number three and number two should stay where it is and whatever. They're like, just suggest that they trade two things and that's it. We don't have time. Um, it, it was uh, it was an absolute. It was such an odd way to spend a day with, by the way, a full audience full of extras, sure, and a warm up sure. guy who twerked. <laughs> and I mean, just a complete like a very not even an only in L.A. experience, an only in Van Nuys experience. And just to clarify, those these the, the contestants are like civilians competing yes. for money. Yes. You and Mo are not competing for money. We are not competing. You're for just money. there as we are. The, we are there to make scale. entertainment and yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it will be on sometime. It was Cannot very wait. enjoyable. Caroline Ray is a dream. She's right, super Caroline super fun. Ray. Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, there really are very something. few people who are born to do that kind of thing and do it effortlessly. And you're. Maybe the only one. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, oh. to wait, wait, is this disappointing to you? <laughs> well, no, no, no. But no. I'm, I'm saying like in anyone else's hands, it, it takes a great deal of charisma to make oh, something thanks. like that Thank work. You. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'll take that. Please. I'll take that. I'm trying but to yeah, say no, was, you're a natural host. Oh, uh, thank you. And, and a natural, you know, thanks for personality. Thank you. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Right. Yeah. I'll be watching. Uh, as I left, Michael McDonald's coming in. Mm. Not the Doobie Brother, the Mad TV one. All Stewart. the greats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, I wanted you to break down this, yeah. uh, you know, as usual, there's a, something going around the internet that I sure. have not watched. And I'm just going to let you walk me through it, which oh. is this Paul Rudd, Jimmy Fallon thing. Sure. Um, so Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon did a shot for shot remake of the video for You Spin Me Round by Dead or Alive. Okay. Which basically basically the whole thing is like any um the the audience or the laugh track really comes in anytime Paul Rudd is doing something kind of swishy. Right. And does this uh rely on you remembering what the original video looks like for um, I don't know that it does. Okay. I don't know that it does. It's apparently a thing that they have done on The Tonight Show several times before. Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon uh-huh. have done like a Go West video and they did um, – they, they've done they've done shot-for-shot shot remakes of other videos. This is the one that I've seen shared a gajillion times yeah. because it's kind of the – you know, it's like, oh, Paul Rudd is acting real swishy. Yeah. Um, I, I, had a, I had trouble figuring out what the joke was other than Paul Rudd's being swishy and that's inherently funny. Um, what is the swishiness of the guy that he is imitating? Oh, Pete Burns was openly queer. Oh, sure, sure. And sure. was, you know, kind of a, kind of a, a queerer boy George, right? Right, right, of course. Uh, a much more aggressive uh, uh, and transgressive boy George. And, uh, and yeah, so it's basically there's no joke other than just like, you know, 
Ah, gay people, Um, which I didn't love. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm being a little overly sensitive. But then Paul Rudd gave an interview where he was like, you know, I like FaceTimed my children dressed like this and they're terrified and traumatized. And the Wu-Tang Clan was on set and I wanted to go say hi, but I was ashamed because of the way that I looked and whatever. Mm. He's just like that whole chunk was a little more. Yeah, that's tough. So Animatronic of uh, Scissor Sisters wrote a beautiful, eloquent uh, reply. I think she is Ms. Animatronic on Instagram. You should really read hers. I posted as much as I could, but it's a it's a long comment thread that gets cut off. Anyway, I sort of reposted it, and, and I'm having a whole lot of people explain comedy to me and allyship, mm-hmm. which th- thank God because I didn't understand how it worked. <laughs> but what is Animatronic defending the video? No, she, she was like, I worked is- with Pete Burns, and you are not you are not worthy. Ooh. You know, Oof, uh, yeah, yeah, and she's not wrong. She is not wrong. Um, well, I I have not seen it, and I you know I have still not forgiven Jimmy Fallon for the fucking hair, hair ruffle yeah. of 2016 or yeah. 20, whatever when he did that. Also, shot for shot remix of things are not inherently funny. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's give give me something. Comment on it in some way. Otherwise, it's uh, otherwise it's Family Guy, a show that's been on the air for 20 years and has made a lot of people very wealthy, including several friends of mine. So sure. I don't know why I'm fucking shitting on it. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, this week. This week. We have. We have. Legendary. Legendary. Frank DeCaro. Frank DeCaro. Um, uh, a brilliant writer, uh, former Daily Show correspondent. Um, he has written a big old coffee table book called Drag. Combing through the biggest wigs in show business. Yes. Um, I have a copy. It's great. The photography is amazing. The writing is, of course, funny because it's Frank. It is totally comprehensive. Um, it is everything from, you know, the earliest, earliest prehistoric drag to, uh, you know, Adore Delano. It's, uh, we had such it's a blast a talking to him. And uh, he even brought his hub- hublicist. Is that the hublicist word that we landed on? The word. Yeah. Um, please enjoy this moment with Frank DeCaro. There you are, Dave. There you are with that damn head of hair. Matt, thank you. Which is uh, both, um, uh, you know, gorgeous to look at and also an attack. Wow. On those of us that are not blessed with that hair. Matt, here's the thing. Beautiful, lustrous head of hair, your own Uh, self. Look. This feels this feels like bragging from both of us. The truth is, sixty six percent of men lose their hair by age thirty five. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, baldness can be optional thanks to forhims.com, which is a one stop shop for hair loss and skincare and sexual wellness for men. Mm-hmm. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. All you have to do is go to forhims.com. You answer a few quick questions, and a doctor reviews and prescribes. For you. And so then so then you get meds, but they're like way across town and you have to go pick them up, right? No, 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 ma'am. Those products are shipped directly to your door. So there's no waiting rooms, no awkward in-person doctor visits. Woo! That's it. Order now. Our listeners get a trial month of Hims for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See their website for details. By the way, this would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. Yeah. So go to forhims.com slash homo. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash homo. Forhims.com. Slash homo. You might not think about what is really in the perfume that you wear every day, but right. Fleur makes stunning, non-toxic perfumes and lists all their ingredients online so you get a good scent made with clean ingredients. For luxurious perfume that's all about good, clean, fun, try Fleur. P-H-L-U-R, Fleur. The whole thing is a joy. 
You go to Fleur's website, and you get to know their scents with pictures and words, even playlists. Then you try them on your own skin, and you see how it works for you. And every Fleur scent is gender-free, and Fleur's completely transparent, so they tell you every ingredient in their perfumes and why it's there. And their world-class perfumers are scent artists. And these perfumes are their masterworks. Plus, they have just introduced body wash and body lotion in the same sense that you love, so you can smell amazing all day long. Dave, what is what is that that I'm catching? I think that might be Greylock. Ooh. A, a mystical springtime scent? Yes, it's got some pine. It's got yeah. some sort of C. Yeah. Uh, S-E-A, that S-E-A. is. S-E-A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what other C I could smell. But yeah, anyway. but it's like a beachy. It's like a big sir. Yes. Yeah. You're How like about a you? big sir. How about you? What I'm, is this wave? This is Moab. Off of you. Ooh. Moab, which is, you know, uh, a little on the sexy side, but not too much. It's got sort of a deserty road trip vibe. I'm oh. channeling my inner Coachella Bay. Love it. Go to Fleur.com today and use promo code HOMO to get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. You pick three cents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. That's promo code HOMO at Fleur.com to get 20% off your first three samples. P-H-L-U-R.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Frank DeCaro. Hi! How are you? I'm fantastic. It is so great to have you here. There were more S's in that word than I intended, but that's the way Listen, it goes. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so it's called homophilia. Come on. I, I, it's, late, it's late in life sibilance, I think, is what I've got going on. I, I, I've come around to uh, having an even gayer voice than I did so years what, ago. What brings you to town, Frank DeCaro? I live here now. You I've do? been here almost six years. What? No one's noticed. Yes, no, I go back and forth. I, I'm bi-coastal. Okay. Uh, but I love, I, we gave up the New York City apartment and we took an apartment here. And so I'm half an L.A. guy and half a New, a New Jersey fellow. Well, I love it. Well, so, a late welcome. Thank you. No, it's fun. Oh, I love it here so much. It's great, right? Yes, it's really good. So it's, uh, yeah, I love it a lot. What do you miss? What do I, no, I go back enough. I, I yeah. was there, like last year I was there 52 days and then back here for nine and then gone for three more. It's like, you know, I spent enough time back east. So mm, I, sure. I get my bagel fix. I see a lot of Broadway. Yeah. I, I do my thing. I see a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. I get good Chinese food and then I come back. Right. Anything I should – I'm going next week, this week. Anything I should see? I'm going for five days. Oh, there's so many wonderful things. What's the must-see show? For me – oh, yeah, the, the prom, prom is really good. Yeah, thank you. I got a word whispered in my ear. The prom is really wonderful. Make you really happy. It's, it's such – it's the best – new musical I've seen in ages. But now that I've seen that, though, I'm kind of itching to see, like, I want to see Kiss Me Kate if I can. And, yeah. and if it's still running, I want to see the the new version of Merrily We Roll Along. And uh, because you can't, I nobody you know, I don't okay. think. And, but, uh, and so there's, yeah, it's, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, there's one, when I still haven't seen My Fair Lady, and now that Laura Benanti is, is in it, I think I need to see that too. Mm. But, but I'm the one, it's, I go home and, and, I'll get a thing where I have to see something and it, but, and I can't explain why, like I had to see King Kong really bad, yeah. you know, and I don't know why, but I needed it and I didn't buy the t-shirt, but it was okay, but I needed to see it. And, and I saw the share show twice, Oh wow! which has nothing to do with King Kong, but, um, but the puppet in that one's even better. No, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's, the share show was really good, but yeah. you know what? I wrote about Bob Mackey for the New York times uh-huh. and, we went to opening night, and I was in Cher's row. So what? it was really good. And my husband's next oh. to me. All he did was watch Cher watch of the course. Cher show. Of course. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> How did Cher react to the Cher show? She seemed to like her show. She seemed to think it was good. So you know, it was fun. But we were looking like, did she laugh? What did she think of that? What is, you know. So uh, it's fun. And all I can say is, 
Uh, Sonny Bono wishes he had the six pack that the guy who plays him has. Okay. And Why on earth would Sonny Bono be shirtless in the share show? Because uh, Jared Spector has uh, okay. this fabulous body. And sure. if you would see it once, you'd be in passing, you'd be like, I think he should uh, take his shirt off for any reason he likes. Yes. No, he's he's quite good. They took some creative license and you approved. Of I thought choice. it was good. And he's he's compact and, and you could you could take him anywhere. He's almost travel size. He's uh-huh. so cute. Yeah, he's delicious. What are our thoughts on Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster in uh, The Music Man. I'm all for it. I love when people are like, I don't like that music. I'm like, what is not to like about The Music Man? That is a great musical. But but they have a tough act to follow because I think when I saw Bette Midler do Hello, Dolly, Mm -hmm. it was like setting the bar so high that now any classic musical needs to be that good. Mm -hmm. You know, because that was like eating candy for two and a half hours and and you never got nauseated. You're just like, this is so good. Who's going to sing another song? What What are the big show stopping numbers? In in the Music Man, yeah, seventy six trombones is the oh, one of I always think of. But I don't. There's more, I'm sure. But that's Wells the one Fargo I always wagon is a coming round the track. That yeah. one, yeah. The, oh, there. Till there was you, maybe. I guess. Yeah, oh, but that's all lovey. Uh, I don't know if I need that. Good night, my someone. It's just seventy six trombones for me. Uh, when she's given the piano lesson. Oh my god, I can't wait. It is a love story, isn't it? I don't think I even noticed that. I just it's a horn swoggling story. It's yeah. it's actually perfect timing for a story about someone who's uh, horn swoggling an entire uh-huh. town. I yeah. think we can relate to that. But that guy's spoiler. Don't alert. know what Ends you could be referring nice. to. <laughs> uh, did you see the one with Craig Bierko? Yes, I did. Way great. back when. Yeah, that was really fun. He was fantastic. It's no, you welcome. do you do start to date yourself though when you start like, when you're starting going like well. How many productions of Follies have you seen? And it's like, oh, no, six different ones. You know, that kind of thing. And you're just like, how, how long have I been at this? You yeah. know, and, and uh, that's pretty funny. Let's but no, but it's another uh, Damn Yankees, wouldn't you say? I don't know. I saw it the first. Jerry Lewis had left, and who went? I don't remember who went in, and I saw Victor it. Garber. Wasn't Maybe it? it was Victor Garber. I love Victor Garber. Yeah. So uh, anyway, a gay. But um, <laughs> and that's why a I diabetic like gay. Really? Wow. Yep. That's dishy. It, right? <laughs> He's a famous type, type one, one or type two? Type, type one. Oh, my. I love that you know that. See, that's yeah, the kind of information. Type one type one oh, you are too? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he's like, is he a diabetic icon? Is he that, is. Do they have those? Yes, they do. Good. He, he and Nick Jonas. Those are, those are yes, our big I names. Yes, I know. He's so yeah. cute. Right? Yeah. I like that there are people. There was an entire uh, Instagram feed that I saw today uh, dedicated to Nick Jonas's VPL. You know, it was like VPL, invisible penis line, you know, oh, in your clothes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I thought, well, that's a good thing to have an Instagram feed, that that's what you've dedicated your life <laughs> what to. What is right? Instagram for, if not for If not for that. Obsessions like those. I know. I get up, that's the first thing every morning I post my, your drag moment of the day, mm-hmm. and I put something up that's cockamamie. And today uh, um, was was a fun one, you know, and, and you just, I try and mix it up. So I do that. But yeah, that's like what I do with the one eye opens, and it's like a time to go and put the drag moment of the day up yeah. on Instagram. And so you've so. written a book about the history of drag. I have. It's very exciting. I am thrilled. And you know why I think it might do well? It wasn't my idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think, it's like, oh, sure, this this will be the book after after five books. This will be the, the fifth one will be the charm because it wasn't my idea. Yeah. So, uh, no, my friend Rob Perlman from Rizzoli took me out to lunch years ago and said, someone needs to do a drag book and I think it's you. And I was like, I guess. I, you know, I was like, I, I've, you know, if you've seen my attempts at drag, you know, I've been Fatty Lapone, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been, I played a Jewish mother many times for whatever reasons. People will get me to do it. But, uh, and I have a, a there have been a few Halloweens that were terrifying because I'm as hairy as could be and yet I was wearing a midriff top. Uh-huh. But uh, um, these things happen. But, uh, 
uh, he said, to, you know, he thought I was the right person. And then I started to think about it. And I was like, you know, I've been a drag hag since I was a little kid. It's, it's I mean, I was watching Flip Wilson do Geraldine when I was like six or five or six years old and sure. thinking this is the best thing ever. And then uh, and it was. It was. And then when I got to Chicago in college, I used to see performers there. We saw Divine Live at a place called Lacage back in the day and a bunch of, you know, I mean, a bunch of queens. And then I got to New York and I really was there in time for that whole Wigstock, uh, the beginning, not the earliest part, but like the second or third or fourth Wigstock. Yeah. So it was really kind of new. And I got there in the, the mid to late 80s and uh, and I followed the careers of people like Charles Bush and Lipsinka and Lady Bunny. And, um, you know, so I've been at it. And, you know, I used to run into RuPaul at Rock and Roll Fag Bar on Tuesday nights at the World in God, the East I Village. I that so much. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. Somebody posted uh, the other day. A, f- a flyer. Remember when, when that's how you found out about something? Yeah. It was a Xerox. It was a one yeah. co- a piece of colored paper with a, black ink on, on it. Phone but it was, pole. yeah, it was Joey Arias's birthday party and it was <sighs> Dean Johnson's rock and roll fag bar. And I was like, please let it say Tuesday. And I was like, it is a Tuesday. I didn't remember it wrong. Yeah, because, you know, you'd you'd be 20 something and you'd have to get up for work, at, you know, and be at work at nine in the morning. And at three in the morning, you're still like, this is great. They're playing Cher's Half Breed. Let's oh. dance, you know. And, and then you still made it to work on time. You are taking me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the so. history of drag did not begin with RuPaul's Drag Race. Is what that <laughs> was the impetus, honestly, for writing the book was because I thought a lot of people probably think this sort of began with season one of Drag yeah. Race, and I love Drag Race. I'm not a reality show person, and I love Drag yeah, Race. What's not to love? Um, and I decided that they that they kind of needed to know what else came before, and sort of what informed. RuPaul's sensibilities and my sensibilities and anyone of a certain age's sensibilities. And, and, and then you go, you dive in and you find out things. There's a theater. It's now, it's a multiplex on 42nd street, just not far from the port authority, not right there on, you know, what is eighth or ninth Avenue, whatever that is. And, uh, it used to be the Julian Eltinge Theater. And he was a drag queen who got his own theater in 1912. 1912! He had like a magazine that he was sort of like the Martha Stewart, you know, guy as well. And, you know, here's your makeup tips. Here's homemaking tips. Now I'm going to go do a Broadway show. Now I'm going to be in a movie. And he was a drag queen, basically. He didn't call himself that. And he, oh, he'd get into fistfights if you made fun of his masculinity or anything. And But, um you know, people were going to to see this, and then there was the pansy craze and the, uh, around pro, you know, prohibition time and stuff, and and that was like, you know, let's go see the the tutti frutties and see what they're up to. And so I think it dawned on me that the smart set, as they used to call it, cool people, gays and gay adjacent people, would go and seek out drag shows always, and. Um, and you didn't you didn't have to be gay, just maybe you had to know someone to get in right. or something. But yeah. but it was fascinating to me. And you know, you I grew up uh, one of the first drag performers I ever saw was on All in the Family very early on. There was a, there was a there were three episodes with a drag queen, and uh, the actor's name was Laurie Shannon, and he used to appear. Uh, at Finocchio's in San Francisco. So he was genuinely a drag queen and stuff. And and then you find out the story that Norman Lear was, because he's a cool guy and liberal, and he he went to Finocchio's and, and he was like, oh, this is the guy that's going to play this role. And Archie Bunker is going to have to give mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to a mm-hmm. drag queen and not know it's a, it's not a woman. And, you know, so that was the beginning of it. And uh, uh, with that show, but it's it was fascinating. Everything you I knew a little bit about, if you dove in, you found so much more stuff. Sure. Who do you like now? 
Who do I? Well, I love Bianca Del Rio. Yeah, I do, and I love. And I mean, there's always somebody on the show that I that I think is fun. Uh, right? Um, I'm having a little a little uh, aversion to Silky Ganache right now because I mm-hmm. don't really think she's Doctor Ganache. Okay, she mm-hmm. she she said she was either going for a doctorate or had one, and I was like, I don't think you're Doctor Ganache. Yeah. If you can't see the word Colonel spelled out and not know it. I don't think you're a doctorate candidate, but maybe, you know. A lot of of people had trouble with that challenge. This is the Rachel Maddow challenge of this episode. That was, honestly, it read to me like a literacy challenge. Oh, it was? Oh, it made me sad. Which really made me sad. I know, that's exactly what I said. I said, I hashtagged illiteracy as a drag because it makes me sad. I want everyone to be smart. Our educational, I I mean, they're smart, but I just feel like people are not being taught properly how to read. I know. And, the, the difference and I like book smart. I have to say, I know it's not everything, but I really do like a, I like a drag queen who's book smart. Mm. You know? <laughs> who off the show do you like? Who, who? Oh, my favorite in, in the universe is, is, and I see now I'm going to, others are going to hear this and they're going to say, why am I not? Your but my absolute favorite is Dina Martina. God damn right. Oh, yeah. Dina Martina. God damn right. I, I don't know if it's fair to say this, but I think of her as the Pee Wee Herman of drag because she is. her world is so complete and so off the wall and so wonderful that, that, you you people are like what is she like? I was like, I can't explain it to you. Yeah. You have to just go. You have it's, to go. And there's no internet presence at all, really. I mean, she's on like Instagram and Twitter and whatever, but if you I've tried to get people to go and see her. And it's like I have no, there's no YouTube to show them. Right. Really. They want to research yeah. it first. They sure. want to, yeah. yeah, you just want to be like just to get this is either really gonna be your thing or it's really not. And if it's really not, we're not yeah. gonna be friends anymore. But like oh, I that's what can't. I said. She's the litmus test. Yes. Yeah. There's certain But there's things. nothing there's nothing there's no advance like she has no internet. It's almost like she's from another time. That is that is one of the joys of seeing her when she comes to LA though, that you especially seeing her in that basement at Casilla del Campo, yeah. is that you do feel like you're in living in a pre-internet time. Yes, you know. Yeah, we went to see her last. She, I had never seen her Christmas show, and I've seen her half at least a half a dozen times, probably more. But I'd never seen the Christmas one because she used to only do it in Seattle, as she calls mm-hmm. it, in Seattle. Um, and she was she brought it to New York, and I said, "Oh my God, I'm going to come." She said, "Come to the Late Show on Tuesday night, back like when we used to go to the World, right? You know." Yeah. So it was an eleven o'clock show on a Tuesday night, and we go and we're sitting there, and. Uh, they bring over to our table. Who's who's sitting with us? Neil Patrick Harris and his husband. And so there's that. And then Alan Cumming is two tables over, and John Cameron Mitchell was a table behind me. And there was it was just it was like every power gay who's ever shaved their legs for something was on was in that room. Yeah. And and just given Dina her props, and I was so happy for that because to see her with higher production values and a, and a celebrated audience. She's had cele- celebrities come to see her, but I was like, I want that for her. I yeah. want, I want her to, I want them to throw money at her. I want them to throw fame at her and have, you know, come to a tragic end. No, I'm only kidding. I, <laughs> she gives, she leaves her daughter in a, in a department store and we never hear from her again or something. I, but, I just, can't, I could not love her more. Yeah, she is my favorite. But then you look at it, it's like, I mean, Miss Coco Peru is sure. amazing. Jackie Beat, Lady Bunny. There, there's so many people. And you, and every time you think you, you can wrap your arms around drag, there's more. Mm-hmm. And there's a different definition of drag. I mean, the, I'm fascinated now that, you know, this whole bio queen thing. You could yeah. be a cisgender woman and dress as a drag queen and you're a bio queen. 
I didn't know that. I didn't know That's that a new either. one, right? I mean, I knew that there, I, knew, I mean, I know Michelle Visage considers herself a drag queen, of course, but I'd never heard the term bio queen. Yeah, bio sense. queen is the thing. And then they're drag kids with their little like 11 year old that Desmond is amazing. It couldn't be any cuter. Mm-hmm. And he looks like a little bug with eyelashes. He's mm-hmm. adorable. And um, it's, that's fascinating. And then you've got drag kings and then you've got trans performers who are drag queens as well. And it's, it's, I love it. I think everybody should be everything and just perform it. And as long as it's, you know, as long as you're there when the curtain's supposed to go up and you're entertaining, doesn't matter what your plumbing looks like. I don't yeah, care. Right. It's like, you know, just put those lashes on and, and wear those heels and get out there and, right. and make us laugh. And, and yeah, uh, oh, I, I was going to tell you about Bianca though. This is a yeah. silly thing. So Bianca Del Rio, when she was on her season, the night of the finale was a screening of the normal heart. Okay. The HBO version. Yeah. And, I went to see it, and I and I had I had to miss the finale of of Drag Race, and I was so wrecked after the normal heart because it's a that's a rough piece of art to deal with, you know. I mean, it's the AIDS crisis, and it's so emotional, and you're you're weeping as you sobbing as you're leaving, and so I I walked out of the screening, and I called my husband, I said, "Hi," and I said, "Did Bianca win?" And he said. (laughs) Do you really want to know? And I said, yes. And he, and he said, yes, she won. And I said, then I could come home. And then I hung up the phone and I ran and I got in the car and went home. But I really was like, if Bianca didn't win, I was going to go out of my mind. Jesus. I really was going to go crazy. Why do they not do the finale live? Do I don't know. Well, they do. That. They've done that? the, the All Stars. They don't. But the other one, no, they the, don't. Well, they they do it. They do the three ending. They do it in a in a sort of yeah. I mean, live they do it in front of a live. Of, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. to the listeners what this three because I don't think everybody knows this. They shoot the finale in front of a live audience, but they do it. Usually, it's three queens at the end. Right? Yeah, they get it down to three sometimes or four, four yeah. and they record it with each one of them winning. And then somewhere between shooting the thing and and it airing, they decide on a winner and they air that episode. But I don't understand why they don't just do it live. I don't know. Maybe they will now that they actually have thrown a you know their their yeah. numbers are good and they're I don't yeah. know. It's it's Does I don't know. not want to do live TV. Or? I wonder what it feels like when you are the yeah for spoilers. But when you yeah, are, I mean, if, but doing it, why not do it live? But when you are one of those three queens and you're you're performing the joy of winning, but you mm-hmm. also know I may not have won. Like, that seems so surreal. It is very strange. And it, it to me, it really reads fake. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people do know that that's how they film it. Yeah. And I'm, no. I just want to believe those butterflies were okay that time. Oh, I, I think uh, they were. So Let's just go. Were. They were stunned. They were just, they were, they were uh, camera shy. Yeah. Is what it yeah. Was. They, they were not dead. They, were they just lived to their shy. full lifespan, which was later that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, they right? just didn't feel like it's true. Yeah. They had, they need a better agent I'm telling you those butterflies <laughs> no question. someone needs to uh, what else are you watching what do I see I never, your- I never remember the answer to this question even though there are a lot of things that I really do watch yeah. uh, I love Gotham <laughs> I'm really? the only person who sits and watches Gotham. I I think I've I'm the last one left. Often I'm, wondered who that show is. Yes, for. you are. I'm, the first I am the session. No, I'm a big up. Batman fan. I, Batman's yeah. my favorite character of fiction, so I watch Gotham a lot. Uh, I love uh, Brooklyn. I watch a lot of the, the sitcoms. I watch uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I love Superstore. I love 
um, what, see, I just, I never, there are like a million, I watch SVU, which my friend Lisa Lampanelli, who I perform with, she calls Special Rape Show. So that's yeah. what we say. We said, you got to watch Special Rape Show. <laughs> and uh, so we watch that uh, every week. And um, what else? I am in love with The Good Fight on CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. And I love the Mrs. Maisels that I've seen, although I'm so behind, it's sad. Um, what else am I watching? One Day at a Time on, on, uh, uh, Netflix a is a fun thing. For, uh, I know they, it's a dumb decision. They might still figure but, something out though. They could. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. yeah. But apparently, won't be on. Netflix. But there's more. I never. I just don't remember. I just sit there and. and it's like, although I have to say, over the over the Christmas holiday, I became obsessed with Burns and Ellen. Okay, so I was really? watching. Yes, I was like, because I, I really do like a show that everyone's been dead for forty years. You know, uh-huh. I really do. It's like, so I like two kinds of shows. Uh, I like to have a TV show where everyone in the cast is dead, or I'm in it. Those uh-huh. are the two things. Those so are the two your, favorite your things ever. Those are my genres. <laughs> no, but I, I was having, I don't know why Burns and Allen was tickling. Every night I was watching two or three Burns and Allen's. I, I had stockpiled all of them. But it's just, I should just be, I should be a 90-year-old Jewish man. I really should. That would be perfect, you know, because that's my sensibility in a yeah. lot of ways. It's just, I'm, uh, yes, my sensibility. I'm not decrepit, but my sensibilities are, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> Did you grow up on that stuff? Yeah, well, what, I grew up actually on, speak, going back to the drag thing. I mean, we watched a lot of variety shows, and, you know, you'd get Harvey Corman on Carol Burnett in yeah. drag. You'd see Flip Wilson in drag. And when you go back and really look at it, it was fascinating because all TV used to be drag on television was take the hairiest, ugliest man, put him in a dress, and a straight guy will fall in love with him the first night he sees it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the trope. That's always the way. And it's a guy on a stakeout, a guy is looking for an apartment on bosom buddies, you know, whatever it is. A straight guy is always going to not notice the Adam's apple, the five o'clock shadow, the, you know, the fact that he can't walk in heels. Um, and that would always be the thing. And then Flip Wilson comes along and, you know, the first African-American to have his own variety show. And he, uh, he gets out there and he's playing this character who's really feminist, really sassy, really confident, um, and spawning catchphrases. You know, it's like mm-hmm. 1969, 1970, something like that. It's probably 70. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's wearing poochie print dresses and looking chic and making the male co-star, the, the male guest stars like O.J. Simpson and Bill Cosby feel really uncomfortable because she's coming on to both of them with, you know, and, and it's it's hilarious. She almost marries O.J. Simpson. It's a good thing she didn't. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, her character uh, almost did that. But, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. There are some shows I've never seen now that I don't, I was like, how did I miss The Ugliest Girl in Town? It was like the late 60s, and it was about a guy in drag who follows his girlfriend to swing in London and um, – gets a job as a female model in drag so he can be with his girlfriend. I've never heard of that. I know. That's what, I, uh, that's what I'm saying. I, it's called The Ugliest Girl in Town. It was on ABC. I don't know anything about it other than what I just said. And yeah. I'm dying to see it. And it, and he, it's not that. There, Believe me. After you've seen Abe Vigoda, you know, fish from Barney Miller in drag, uh-huh. <laughs> Timmy from The Ugliest Girl in Town is, is actually kind of fetching compared to Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda in drag looks like all my relatives. I really, I don't, what I'm they're all dead now, so is, I can say that. But is when uh, Drew Barrymore dressed E.T. up. That's, what that's not bad. Yeah. Yes, that was not that far off, yeah. actually. Or everyone's relatives from Long Island. That's kind yeah. of, he's got that going, going sure. on too. My, one of the real reasons, I, I always, I mean, I jokingly say it, but it's not that far from the truth. I, um, I always wanted to see the, a photo of Herman Munster in drag from, there's an episode where he may well be the first trans character on television because he gets hit by a bolt of lightning and he wakes up as Aunt Herman. Okay. I ah. don't. So it's Herman Munster's face yeah. with little 
cute little barrel curls on the side. You know, it's kind of, if you take Hedwig and Herman Munster and mush them together, you get Aunt Herman. And so, uh, but there's, we found a photo in the book. Um, and the book is Drag Combing Through the Big Wigs of Show Business, April 30th. Um, it is uh, Herman, a wardrobe test of Fred Gwynn really growing it up, real nailing it up as as Aunt Herman. It's so funny. It's just, and I, I was like, that's why I wrote the book, just so yeah. that that photo could be in a hardcover book. And uh, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a montage of um Corporal Klinger from MASH, Jamie Farr, you know, who's as hairy as I am, but he's in a dress trying to get a discharge. And uh Bosom Buddies, Tom Hanks. People don't know, maybe they don't think of Tom Hanks, but he was his first big break was in drag uh on Bosom Buddies. And then Herman Munster and Abe Vigoda. It's just it was it's called the chapter's called Nothing Like a Dame because they just don't look like women at all. Yeah. And it's <laughs> ridiculous. So. Who were you like? Who were your role models growing up? Growing up, uh, Elton John. Yeah. So much. Oh my God. I loved Elton John. There's a photo of Elton John in a walk in closet. And he basically, there are platform shoes everywhere and then 8,000 suits. And I just was like, me when I grow up, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and so, I, they're not all platforms, but I, my walk-in closet kind of looks like his walk-in closet. It's a lot, it's a lot of, a lot of look in one, uh, uh, one little room there, you know, yeah. but, uh, uh, yeah, he was kind he was really it for me. And, and, uh, I mean, there were others too, but, but it was more, I was as gay guy there. I don't know if anyone says it anymore. We used to always hear when I was growing up and they'd say, you know, oh, when I was growing up, all we had were Elton John and Liberace, and I wanted to kill myself. And I, like, say them. that's the reason I didn't kill myself, is that there were guys who were that flamboyant. I was like, I could go be that. It's like, it's like that's an option. You could, someone could buy a ticket to see you, and you are that faggy. It's like, this is fantastic news, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I was, I was thrilled and delighted to see them. And I still like, that's, I think, why I like drag queen. I, I like, the more flamboyant, the better. You know, I really do. As long as you got to really work a look. I mean, if it's a little, sometimes I look at stuff and the old man comes out of you and you're like, what the hell are you supposed to be? It's my father's voice comes right out of my mouth. What the hell are you supposed to be? What is this? It's like, you know, but so, but if they look good, then I'm, and and it's really out there. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Uh, For our younger listeners, uh, can you explain Liberace? Really, for for anyone, can for anyone. explain Liberace, Liberace was a was the most effeminate pianist you could ever possibly imagine, yeah. and he wore clothes that made Elton John look like a monk, mm-hmm. and uh, and he uh, he was kind. Liberace or Lady Gaga name checks him, so that's a good reason to at least we we know that she knows what uh, about Liberace. Yeah, he would play, and he, and ladies would think he was adorable, and and he kind of. I mean, I quote him near the end of the book. It's it's almost the last paragraph of the book. I talk about Liberace, and I said he kind of was a drag queen in his own way, in a mm-hmm. weird, you know. But he would wear sequins. He there he he did one like his salute to the bicentennial in the seventies. He wore red, white, and blue hot pants. And which were short shorts, and uh, that's kids. That's what we called them, hot pants, and um, and and a matching jacket. And I think he was on a like a guide wire, like flying by foy, and they flew him in because he's a, a, a fairy in hot pants. And it's like it was so fun. And and I know there are kids who who are my age now who probably wanted to kill themselves because that's all they had. But for some of us, it was just like I'm gonna get me a guide wire and wear hot pants and yeah. fly around. Yeah. This is the best. But so. honestly, even just the concept of a famous pianist is odd. Yeah. And it was yeah. at the time. Like, it's, it, there wasn't an opening for him that he moved into. He just sort of created yeah. his own yeah, space. Yeah, it's, it's true. And, and when someone like that goes, like, I was upset a few months back when Carol Channing died because I said there aren't two of them. It was like the last dinosaur, the last whatever. It's like there were not 
there was one Carol Channing, and now there the, the Carol there is a Carol Channing size hole in the world right. that no one else can fill. It's like you know. Did you ever read Blair magazine? It was like an early mid nineties web magazine. No, Blair. Blair. Blairmag.com. Oh. This goes for everyone. Go to Blairmag.com. There are only maybe six issues, but they're fucking amazing. It was a bunch of young um it was like four guys. They were in college or maybe grad school, and they just they loved Sassy Magazine, and so they created a web mag that was sort of like a, oh, a gay funny. version of Sassy Magazine. And they did an article about Carol Channing that distills exactly what you're saying, which is if Carol Channing didn't exist, nobody would have made her up. No. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. And, like, and, and Liberace too. Like those, these are just one – these are one of a kinds. Ones of yeah. a kind. I don't Cause, know. Because even – I mean I love Elton John I, uh, still. I mean I obsessed with him. But uh, – but you, when you look at, at him, you say, oh, you see the influences. I don't know what Liberace's influences were because I'm not convinced there were any. I, yeah, he, he's, yeah. he's as close to created from whole cloth, you know, yeah. a, as it gets. And I think Carol Chan is the same way. It's yeah. like, what are you supposed to – you know, it's, it was that – I don't know why I like you this much, but I'm in right. love with you. The moment you you look at them, and and there's they are supremely talented, but in a weird, you know, it's not like she had the most beautiful. She had a foghorn for a voice, but sure. it was brilliant. Yeah, and she and, was old forever. Did and you? Liberace was so floor. I mean, his piano playing. I'm sure classical pianists probably want to shoot themselves in the head yeah. because they were so florid and overdone. And 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 then he's going to do it with a candelabra on the piano and this. You know, wearing at half, you know, boy drag, you know, yeah. and, heavy and, rings on each yeah. finger. Oh, yeah. And you'd show them to the audience and say, You want to see them? You paid for them. You know, I yeah. mean, it was just, he's the guy who came up with, because people used to say, he, He's the one who said, I'm crying all the way to the bank. I mean, that was his, that was yeah. his line, you know, because people made fun of him. And he, oh, the best thing was he sued a publication in England because they, they alleged that he was gay and he won. Oh my God! He won. <laughs> he said, "How dare you say that about me?" And if it affects my my income, and and, and the, he won. Holy cow! Yeah, well, he had us all fooled. <laughs> I know it's true, but no. But best thing. So I took like because you're what every gay boy should should have done back in the day. I took my parents to see the Liberace Museum in Las Vegas, and I took my father in, and and I said, "Pop, you understand that Liberace was gay, 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 gay." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So we get to a showcase, and he sees these ice skates, and there was an actress named Sonia Henney who was an ice skater in movies, the way Esther Williams was a swimmer who sat who was in movie. You know, they they built movies around this ice skater, Sonia Henney. So my father gets to Sonia Henney's ice skates and he says, Sonia Henney broke Liberace's heart. That's why he was the way he was. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, God. Pop, what were you reading? Hollywood Confidential? It's like, where did you get this stupid story? It was so cute. Did you feel any resentment toward performers like that who were out but not out? No, because nobody was out. Right. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like, and you had to learn to read code, you know I mean? Because you'd watch your favorite gay performer, like from Al, Paul Lind was a huge influence on me too, the comedian Paul Lind, uh, and Hollywood Square. Uh, but he uh, he would play the dad, yeah. and we bought it. And, you know, that's in my lifetime. That's, that's not that, I mean, it's a long time ago, but it's not that long ago yeah. that you could be as gay as I, you could be gayer than I am and play the dad and no one questions it. Yeah. You know, it's like, And okay. a lot of times you could be super gay and have to be the dad. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was no, there, if you were just a regular person, I know a lot of people in my parents' generation who were Paul Lins, who were, oh, real in real life. life yes. yes. You know, you yeah. kind of got roped into that. Who's in that space now? Like, who are the one of a kinds now? Oh, I thought you were going to say who, who who's in the who closet that we can out. Who should be out that we can, uh, can do? Who is sort of a, a, a one off now? There have to be them, but I don't, I don't really know. 
Yeah. You know, I have to say, I did, I think RuPaul comes pretty close yeah, because sure. Ru is the. I love when Lady Bunny teases her. It's like a drag queen, so good. She doesn't even have to wear drag anymore, and it's like it's kind of true. Ru, yeah. Ru in a suit is still a drag queen, so yeah. it's kind of. Ru has like, okay. carved out a very specific niche where she has to work very little per episode. <laughs> like the yeah. amount of, but she's funny time about it. Oh, we saw her at DragCon, and she t- they they asked her about uh, you know walking the runway for that moment, and when they play Cover Girl, you know, yeah. she comes out and she's like, I come out. I walk 10 steps, I stand there, and I go and sit down. It's like, that's, and it was so funny the way she was explaining. Yeah. It's like, how do you, you know, it's like, she's not young anymore. Yeah. Not old, but she's not young. But it, it's a lot, you know, like they were talking about how long are you in heels? And I was just like, not that long. I walk out and that's it. Yeah. And I just, I think it's great. But I, I mean, that's, Rue is, cre- you know, they don't call it a Rue-volution for nothing. I mean, that's really, that's a big deal. And good for, you know, inspire, do do for kids what Elton John did for me. You yeah. know, be so glittery and colorful and wonderful that you're just like, some faggy little kid is like, oh, goody. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can I can survive and thrive and go be that and give, somebody hand me the, the glitter lip gloss. You know, it's yeah. like, it makes me very, that, we need that now more than ever, you know, and, yeah. and, um. So I do. That's my challenge in this trying time is to how to kind of. I think that's why I wrote the drag book. I was like, how can I be even gayer? It's like because I mean mm. I'm functioning at a high gay level for a really long time. But now I was like, what can I do that's even gayer? Drag book could yeah. do it. Yeah, you I'm found the way. No, but I in some ways that was the challenge to me of in Trump's America. That was the challenge. Like, oh, I got to figure out how to be even gayer. It's like it's tiring, but I guess I could do it. You know, and You're the man for the job. I try. I, one of them. Yeah, uh, uh, but uh, I I turn a look now. I wear the silver shoes and I do my thing and I get out there and I'm not. Re- it's not really, you know. No, I'm not non-binary. I don't think I'm very much a a, a fella, you know, an old school gay. But it's but it's still it's it's like yeah, you know, I think I'd be a little more flamboyant than I used to be just because it's it seems it's a revolutionary act. Mm-hmm. It's a political act. I know. And kids like oh, it makes me so happy. Oh God, when a twenty-something looks and goes, you look fantastic. It's like thank you. People my age don't approve of it, but thank you. I'm very happy that you like it. It makes my it warms my heart. We're gonna so. take a little break and we'll be back with more Frank DeCaro. Getting into debt? Easy. Don't I know it. Whew. Getting out? Hard. That's right. Thankfully, there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Upstart believes you are more than just your credit score. So they reward you based on your education and your job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. And they make it fast and simple and easy that you check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. And then once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund a wedding, make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart, a uh, service that I could have used in my 20s, let's just say. No doubt about it. And there's uh, several loved ones I'll be (laughs) referring this to. Oh, for sure. For sure. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash homo to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash homo. And we're back. 
Yeah. Just like that. My That's goodness, right. It goes so fast. It really does. Time flies when you're taking a break. So you came in today, Frank, with your husband, or as you introduced him, your hu- my publicist. Publicist. I never thought of that till I was using your restroom. Something about that yellow wall in the restroom. It is yellow, right? Okay, uh-huh. that yeah. Uh-huh. I'm a little colorblind, so I, it could have been green, and I would have gotten it wrong. But uh, no, but I saw, and I just wanted to ask. He's my publicist. <laughs> no, but it's good. See, he set the standard in the house for books because somebody wrote the Golden Girls Forever book and it became a New York Times bestseller. And some of us on the other oh. side of the bed have to live up to this now, you know, uh-huh. so. Somebody already did the gayest book he possibly he, could do he in the house. Did. And then he you said, said, how can he, I? He's a gay. What can I do? Yeah, I married a gay guy. What can, who the hell thought <laughs> that would happen? But, um, but yeah, no, so he wrote that and, and uh, oh, I, you know, Somebody, somebody was like, you know, you know, you really look at this as you're shedding light on drag queens that other people might not know about. And I was like, I really want a bestseller. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and they were like, it's my husband has a bestseller. Why can't I have a bestseller? And uh, and so they were like, never go into it. I was like, all right, I won't go into it looking at it that way. But um, and I didn't really. But it would be nice. Sure, of course. Yeah, of course. Of so, course. Um, how did you guys meet? Oh goodness, I wrote a book called A Boy Named Phyllis. Twenty three years ago and his dad bought the wrong newspaper uh the, the, a newspaper they don't usually get and there was a story about me in it and jim lived in the town next to where i grew up and so he came to a book signing and wanted to say hello and then didn't and then he looked me up in the new york city phone book the next day and called me and uh, i said oh I'm, introduce yourself i'm doing one in chelsea on the, the two weeks from now come to that and I'm, okay great and so he came to that and i met him and uh and then we corresponded back and forth for months and then we had a date and then it was like one date and then it was two dates and then it was three dates and then we were thick as thieves and and 23 years later we're married for seven and together for 23 and um I love him more now than I did then, and, and I loved him. I liked him a lot then, I, but I'm really crazy about him now. But um, yeah, it's fun. I, it's he's swell, and he's whips. He's so smart. He kicks my butt all the time. That's what I like about him. Somebody asked me that on a radio show once. They're like, "Funny or smart?" And it was like one of those lightning round end of interview things. Yeah. And I was like, "Smart." And they're like, they looked at me. It stopped the interview cold. They looked at me like, "Why would you? You're not going to pick funny." It's like, no. It's like smart. Smart's the most important thing. Smart is yeah. And book smart is really knowing things to me is very exciting. It's like if you know because you can scream from one room to the other. Like you know who played the woman, not the lead, the third lead in that episode of Heart to Heart where they went to the spa. You know, and he's like Jim, and he'll go Carol Cook. You know, he'll scream. You know, whatever. And 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 you get the name. It's like living with the human uh, IMDb. It's fantastic. Right. So, and we works. laugh and we laugh a lot. We we wow. there's that episode of Sex in the City where she says, Oh God, we have shtick. And she actually that's a bad thing. You know the greatest thing about being in a long-term relationship? You have shtick. It's like you have jokes that are not funny to anybody else. You have you speak in shorthand and and we laugh about the stupidest things. My my face, you know those Facebook memories. What is, I'm, I'm so apparently all I have is social media. Does it this interview sounds like what do you do all day? I play on social media. No, my fa- the thing came up today and we were on our way memory was we were on our way to the the Turner Classic Film Festival, okay? Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. And this one, the husband turns, Jim Colucci turns to me and says, "You know, film noir star Elizabeth Scott should have been named Elizabeth." And without skipping a beat, I said, yes, she, she starred in 
beaver to heaven and make mine muff. And that was what we, I said, that's what you talk about when you've been together that many years. It's like, it's a horrible joke. And then you added, and then you were like, well, here's, that's your horrible one. Yes, here's mine, you know, and then you do that. And that's what you really talk about. Instead of having a serious conversation about film noir preservation, (laughs) you're making bad lesbian jokes about a star you adore. What was your dating life like before? My, of mine? Oh, yours. before I met my husband? Oh, it was horrible. I was like Spock. I would mate once every seven years. Okay. You know, I would, I, would, I would have a boyfriend. I would lose a little bit of weight. Then I would get a boyfriend. And then a few months later, that'd be the end of it. And then it'd be, oh, okay, we're done for seven years. And nothing would happen for seven years. And then I'd lose weight again. And then I'd get another boyfriend. And then that would last a year. And then uh, that would go south. And then... Another seven years would pass. And, you know, I had my, my best friend in the world said, you know how you avoided the AIDS crisis? And he said, I said, how? He said, by default. It's like you weren't sleeping with anybody. And it's like, it was true. It was the saddest, loneliest, most fabulous existence. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of, I did have a lot of fun, but nothing going on, you know? So, uh, and then I, I don't know when it's right. It's just, it is. I was, and also I think this is the thing. I was really happy when I met Jim. I wasn't looking for someone to make me happy or fill a void or, or complete me or any of that stuff. I just thought, this will be fun. And, uh, and so that's, he met me at a high point. And I think that's kind of when you are attractive. Yeah. Not, and, and then you can't let him know how nuts you are. You have that, you have to get him hooked on you. And, and then, then you, you let them room. know what the, the, you know, yeah. curtain number three opens. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're like, oh, Jesus, what have I married? And it's like, that's when you get them, you know? So, but they have to love you first. Never let them know how crazy you are or forget it. <laughs> how did Jim get you, like, in that first phone call and those oh, first how did he, dates? What he was, said, what was it that he said or did? It was after the second appearance that he was, when he was in the room and I'd met him, but I, he called me and he said, you use some of the same material this time that you used last time. Ooh. And that was it. I was in love from that moment on. It's you like spotted. that. Oh, it was just like, you I was seen. Who I was seen. Yes. He called me on my, he's, and he still does <laughs> on everything. Oh, the best argument we ever had. He said, when you start making sense all again, I'll start listening again. And he stormed out of the room and I was like, ah, I just wanted to have sex with him right then and there. I was <laughs> yeah. just like, that's the most beautiful sentiment ever. I just got yelled at and told off and, and, uh, and he's right, you know? So oh, God, I said, he's right on the radio oh, or no. on the podcast. Oh the my God. Internet. In front of a microphone. Oh, never tell them you're right. Oh my God. Um, where would you like lurk in the, in the eighties in New York, eighties and nineties? I'm trying to think where the places that I have this, the strongest, uh, I wish I could say, oh my God, the Pyramid Club. But I, I went, but it wasn't it. But really, what we mentioned it before, Rock and Roll Fag Bar at yeah. the World. And I walked over there recently. It was like Second and C. And yeah. Second and C in 1988 was like war-torn Beirut. It was really like you were gonna, you were taking your life in your own hands. And you'd go and you'd leave there at 3, 4 in the morning. And you'd be mm-hmm. like, oh well, you know, you thought, I hope I don't die. And, but that, the world was my favorite Club rock and roll fag bar at the world was my favorite thing because, and I'd say to people, I said, there was a kitschy pop culture sensibility that now is everywhere that at the time you had to find your tribe who, who wanted to be in a bar with a bunch of gay people on a Tuesday night, not listening to a female diva singing a song. You wanted to hear Cher doing half breed. And that go into the theme from Happy Days or some insane combination of music. Yeah. And so when you, you, not everybody did that. No one, you know, it was like you, you had to find people who cared about old movies and old television and kitsch. And, and it wasn't so, 
readily available. And so you, you know, you used to have to go to, you used to have to get on a bus and go into New York City to buy records you liked because they didn't have them 20 miles away. It's like, you, you know, if you wanted yeah. the Ramones record, you had to leave your state yeah. and go into the city to buy it. And so, um, the idea that you could listen to disco and then a Ramon song and then a share song and then a TV theme song was, is still my sensibility. I yeah. mean, it's like, I like it all in the hopper. We went to see, uh, what's his name? Q, Q-tip quest, quest love, not Q-tip quest love. Mm-hmm. Quest love was DJing and he played the, the, uh, hit the road, Jack classic song yeah. into Gold Digger by Kanye into the theme from the Jeffersons. And I was like, this, it it still exists. It's Mm -hmm. like that. And that's what, to me, what the world was like. It was like, you'd get a brand new song with a word you shouldn't use in it. And then a classic song and then a ridiculous song, you know? And, and, um, I I like that with everything. I like throw it all, uh, all together and, and, uh, and, it's all, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I like going to Chili's and I like going to a fabulous foofy restaurant, you know, and I think you should, I think everybody should do everything. Got to get that bloom and onion sometimes. Yeah. No, that you'd have to do. <laughs> you, you can't have the, you can't have the, you got to call it lines. Yeah. That was good. So no, I lost a hundred pounds, you know, so this, yeah. for me, it's like, that's where we draw the line. So you can't yeah. have the, blo- you know, we never can have the blooming onion again. It'll go that's, straight to your heart. Yeah. It, it is weird that there was a time when kitsch wasn't everywhere. Like Kitsch was kind of a rare. Well, nothing was everywhere. That was nostalgia. Yeah, you know, it really was. You had to go find your thing, and it was more of a. And I'm not. I don't know if it's better or worse, but um, it was kind of. There was something fun about really having to sneak somewhere and take a bus and a subway and then find the record store and hope it's open yeah. and they have a copy left and that, you know. Yeah. Do you remember when they did the, uh, the real life Brady Bunch? Oh, sure. In Chicago. Yeah. And I think toured. I saw it there and then it came to New York. They played it, but I had an off Broadway run too. Yeah. yeah. With like, with Melanie Hutzel and, uh, Kate Flannery and Andy Richter. Jane uh, Lynch was in it. Jane Lynch. Yeah. They, uh, the, one of the original ones from Chicago is on YouTube and like the, the video quality is not great, but, the way that the audience reacts, it's like they – and it truly, they had never seen anything like it. Like it was just people doing Brady Bunch line for line and like turning it up two degrees. And it was enough. Because they enough. loved it and they knew it was ridiculous yeah. at the same time. And yeah. like Melanie Hutzel comes in and says, you know, hi or whatever. And like people <laughs> lose their shit for 90 seconds because it wasn't everywhere. Now that kind of thing is just sort of – all yeah. over the place. And yet when you know? something's really good, you just sit there and, you know, yeah. I mean, I, it's, you know, you want, you go into Star is Born, you're like, mm, I don't like this. And then you sit there and like, I really like it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then these things shallow and you're like, it's like oh, I know I've heard it 40,000 times. 40,000 and what is there? You know, and you just get all the mess about it and stuff. But uh, I do like when you see something that you kind of, uh, like, can you ever forgive me? It was just, I loved it. It was like, oh, good, gay people who are assholes. I love making a movie yeah. like that. It's like, oh, thank heaven. Instead all I want to do is yeah. fly to New York and duck into Julius on a snowy afternoon. That's <laughs> all I want to do after seeing that movie. Yeah. Like, it would be worth the, the ticket. Yeah, and I've, I've, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think where else I used to go. Well, you asked me before about where I like to go when I was in New York. I honestly, I did go and see... Odds, you know, I mean, I would if there was if there was like a drag theater thing, I'd go. If there was an old sort of Vegasy kind of performer who happened to breeze through town, you know, I would see 
you know, Peggy Lee or yeah. uh, or Charles Pierce. Do you know that yeah. drag performer? Oh my God, he was the best. He I saw him do one of his shows, and um, you know, just, I I really when I when you go through your your ticket stubs, and if you're you know, screw Marie Kondo. I have everything I've ever, everything I've ever touched, I still have. You know, basically it's, it's, you know, other than garbage, I do throw garbage away. But it's like, if it's a, if it's, I have every ticket stub since oh, 1984. Every playbill. Yes. Every, oh. And people yeah, are like, oh, I'm getting rid of that stuff. They're like, I'm I- getting rid of all of it. It's like, why? Why would you get rid Let someone, after you're dead, let my publicist have to deal with it at long, unless I kill him first. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, let someone else deal with it. It's like, it makes me so happy. Yeah. I, I, uh, but I went through, some of them are actually in this drag book. There, I found my ticket stubs for oh. the lady in question or Jim. I forgot I saw Jim Bailey live. I was like, he was like the guy who did Judy Garland on, on the Lucy show. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's insane. It's like he's, he's uh, or he did, actually he did Phyllis Diller on the Lucy show. He did Judy Garland on, oh my God, Vegas. And then pretended to kill to, that someone was out to kill him, but he the was Robert he, Urich Vegas. That's the one. Oh, wow. you you find stuff you you would not believe the stuff that if you start digging the things you you are able to find. What but, was your what did you like? What was your line of work in the eighties in New York? Oh, I was the fashion writer at uh, first at New York Newsday, and uh-huh. then um, they decided they needed a gay columnist, and I was one. Of, I think. I mean, it's there. Maybe somebody would disagree with me, but I think I'm the first out gay humor column in a major daily newspaper, and so I did that beginning in '93 for a few years, and then I kind of became a freelancer, and then I got on the Daily Show, yeah, and then suddenly I got bitten by the performing bug, and so I started writing and performing, and so I, st- I mean, I'm still a journalist, and I still do pieces for the New York Times style section and stuff, but I, I, I wanted to do both of those things, and. Uh, I've had such an ass backwards career, you know. I mean, I've done stand up yeah. the last few years, and it's sort of people are like, oh, you probably did stand. I, like, I never did stand up before that. I mean, I did it, but not really. You know, I do occasionally someone would be come and host this or do whatever, and you'd do yeah. some jokes, but it's like I didn't go out and do a set. And so it's like, yeah, it's like I'm everything's backwards. I'll but be you, a fetus by the end. I really right. will. I'll just, hmm. you know. But you were always able to support yourself as a writer. Yeah, it was good. I was very lucky, and I didn't have a I didn't have a roommate until I got had a husband. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I was really I, once once I. Uh, in New York City, yeah. But it was yeah. also, you could do that then. You know, I mean, you right. could, if you if you earned a halfway decent, you know, because rent would be 1250 or 1500 It was not cheap, but it's like I was making a decent amount of money. And, right. um, you know, I would go to everything. And, uh, yeah, and the fashion eat, writing thing. and drink for free. Oh, my God. But the you're... fashion writing thing, I mean, I did stuff. I used to go, and this is why it didn't matter that I didn't have a boyfriend, because you'd go on these crazy adventures. And, um I would go to, for like five weeks. I'd be gone. And it would be like Paris, Milan, London, Barcelona, Madrid. And then you come out with $10,000 expenses and they wouldn't bat an eyelash. It was, that's what it was like. And I mean, I've been to Donatella Versace's apartment for a Johnny Versace party. And, you know, I've talked, I've been at parties with Elton John and all these, fab, I've been to, you know, I've met Saint Laurent. I've met, hung out with Gautier and, you know, and I wasn't even, on the inner circle, but I mean, you still got to do all this, you know, the Fendi sisters would take you out to dinner every time you got to Milan, you know, it's like, so you're sort of like, Oh good, I'll go hang out with the Fendi sisters. It was that, it, and I can't believe that stuff happened to me because I'm colorblind and from New Jersey. I should be selling you. <laughs> I should be selling you shoes. I should be like, I have it in a Brown and an eight medium. I'll be right back. You know? Um, and here I was writing this fashion stuff. And I mean, when I think about it, I was like the, the, the people who were the, the last of the, the real, the biggies, you know, I mean, like 
you know, I mean, I gossiped with Carl Lagerfeld. I hung out with Johnny Versace. It's like, I'm, I'm a kid from New Jersey, you know, and I got to do all this crazy stuff. And now I, once I turned my attention to performers and, and stuff, I mean, I, I look at every time somebody dies, I was like, where's my picture with so-and-so, you know, I mean, I just go and yeah. find uh, my, my photo. Cause I kind of, there's, there are very few giants, particularly of funny people that I've not met. You know, I was like, I was like, no, I never got to meet uh, Richard Pryor. Uh-huh. But you know, and and the and you know, or, or Groucho Marx. But you know, but I've sat at Carl Reiner's feet. I've talked to Sid Caesar. I've you know, I mean, these are people. My parents grew up watching these people. I was in the same room with Milton Berle. I mean, it's and it's hung out with Robin Williams. He, he put his hairy arm up next to my hairy arm, and he said, "You're wearing the Quest for Fire opera gloves too." And you know, <laughs> yeah. and so we joked about that, and you know, I gave Lily Tomlin a kiss. I don't know why I was so possessed. It's, uh, she was. I was doing a spoken word night, and when I saw that she was in the audience, it's like she was my friend. You know, I like yeah. leaned out. It's like, oh my god, and I hugged her and kissed her like I like a crazy person basically and but no I, I've been very blessed to meet my idols and uh, not too many have disappointed you know I mean I, there was a point where one, I, within six months I met Elton John and Bette Midler I was like I never need to leave my house now it's like what what who else there's no one else I'm you know I never talked to Madonna though I have to really? say and I've never talked to Lady Gaga huh, but okay. I but, but uh there's but there's so there are people time. to meet yeah it's I hope yeah, yeah. with with uh, everyone there's still but, mountains um, to climb but uh, but no but it was we it's it's odd to you know, I got, I was writing a story about Bette Midler and her, her charity work. And it's like, you're, you're, there's that moment of like, and I'm riding around in an SUV next to Bette Midler. And we're talking about preserving New York City parks. And I watched her 1975 special 23 times on HBO. And that was before there was a DVR. So I just set my alarm every time it was on. No matter what time of day or night it was on, I watched Bette Midler's, uh, you know, live, it was the Live at Last album, whatever that name of the special was. But uh, but in moments like that, you're able to keep your cool and 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 come back down to earth, right? You're not able to let that show when you're with. Well, I like, fan out a little Midler. bit, but no, yeah. but I really have real questions, and yeah. I do want to talk to them, and I don't act. Yeah, I don't get too goofy about yeah. it. You know, I mean, I do at the end usually, but uh, and I do want a picture now and stuff, but no one. I mean, I, I interviewed Mel Brooks. I, sometimes I just come up with a story so I can meet the person, you know? And so I, but I interviewed Mel Brooks by phone. And at the end of it, he said, I enjoyed talking to you. No bullshit. And I was like, you've made my year. And then I saw him. And I saw, actually, I didn't see him. My husband spotted him. We were at an HBO Emmy party. And I saw this little old man walk by me. And he said, that's Mel Brooks. And I was like, what? And I looked. And I was like, oh, hell, I'm going to go talk to him. And I said, hi, I wrote that story on, on when things were rotten for the New York Times. And he cupped my face. And I was like, Mel Brooks cut my face. It's like, so yeah, it was. Uh, I'm I'm just happy for the the memory of when things were rotten. Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing. A one they would, season wonder. Crazy right? people would let me write things like that. That's yeah. I'm always I'm still doing those stories. It's like I had an editor once say to me, and it was pretty funny. She said, "Should you always act like?" Oh my God, we have to do the story immediately because someone's going to scoop us. She said, no one is going to think of that idea. And she's like, that's the part you don't understand. No one looks at it the way you do. And I was like, okay. So apparently they're not, uh, it's less so now, but there was a time where I basically, my ideas, my antenna was really high and I would yeah. come up with stuff that was just like, you know what would be good. It's like, that. and then I would do it and then be ahead of the trend. And stuff. But now everything's, you know, there's no one event. There's no trend mm. of anything, you know, there is, but there isn't. And, and everything lasts two minutes and, 
No, you know, I, if I show up dressed in 1965 and you show up in 1974 and you're wearing a tracksuit, we're all fine. You know, I mean, yeah. it used to be you had to wear this. If you were cool, you were, that was the color you were wearing. If it was, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we all cuffed our jeans that year, you know, yes. Ooh, gotta be up. Yeah. It's gotta be like a five inch cuff of, you know, running by those tall people jeans and roll them up, you know, and, but don't roll them. You got to just fold it once mm-hmm. and iron it real, you know, and it was that kind of short. I don't think that exists now. It's like any, everything's fine. That that young people, it's all good. It kind of is all good now, yeah. which I don't know if I like, but uh, you know, because some of it's not all that good. But it's, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it there is no one thing, and we right. and now we consume media the same. You know, I mean, I, oh, what do you watch? Oh, I'm watching Gotham. Oh, who do you have any friends who watch it? No, I don't have no one to talk to about it. What do you want? Are you watching? You know, The Handmaid's Tale. No, I don't. Oh, well, we watch that. You know, everyone watch. It's like books. Right. You know, I've never read a book anyone else was reading. Right. That's another thing. It's like I'm always off on some cockamamie thing for whatever reason. And I have no one to talk to. <laughs> and I'm not going to go find an online group who wants to talk about the oral history of a chorus line, which is what I'm reading now. You know? Oh, wow. You know, but it's like I'm, you really are on your own little wacko journey. Sure. You really are at this well, point. Well, I'll tell you what we'll all be reading is Frank DeCaro's book. <laughs> yep. Drag coming through the big wigs of show business. Rizzoli. Yes. Rizzoli. That date yes. again. April 30 is the April first day 30. that it's officially available. But you can and, pre-order it now. Yes, you can pre-order it now. And if this airs later, then you could you, you can could just order it, it and it yeah. poster yeah. it. Just order it. It's fun. It, I'm I'm excited about it because it really is uh, kind of an, an encyclopedic approach to drag and 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 it's not it's it's very gay, but it's also very not. You know, I mean, it's like mm. the the two most popular comedies according to the American Film Institute are Some Like It Hot and Tootsie. And there's not really much gay other than the last line of Some Like It Hot. There's not much gay about it. You know, yeah. but. Um, so I, I don't buy that drag is a niche thing, you know. That was the expression I just learned. Too niche, I heard someone say. No. That means too gay. Yeah, no. I didn't know that. Anymore. I didn't know that too niche is the code. I knew too urban meant too African-American, but I didn't know too niche was too gay. You know, too New York is too Jewish. It's like that's, you know, they have all these lovely codes yeah. in, in Hollywood. But yeah, so my book is not too niche. It's very niche, it's but very, it's not it's too niche. Per- the perfect amount of niche. And yeah. you are the perfect amount of niche. <laughs> Frank DeCaro, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was really a delight. Yes, it was. Thank, thank you. you so much. Oh, Frank De- at Frank DeCaro Show. At Frank DeCaro. Show. It's got to be show. Someone it's beat me. It's just me. It's oh, at Frank DeCaro Show. No, it's fine. We want to thank Dana. We want to thank Ryan. Everybody yes. at Earwolf. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, listener. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <laughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.